much because I'm going to enjoy looking through this and, and just feeling your love. And I'll tell you, this is the greatest church, filled with the greatest people. God's called us together to be a part of the work together, and I'm privileged to be the pastor of this church, and I don't count it lightly. Um, I pray for you every day, and I just thank God for you. It's been a, been a challenging week this week. We celebrated Haley Braley's homegoing on Friday, and those of you in this house were praying for me, and I felt that, and I just want to say thank you, because we are a body called together, and so I just want to thank you for your expression of love here. I love you. If there's any cookies, you can't have those till I get in there. Praise God. Praise God. Aren't you glad you got up and came to church today? Amen. Amen. I want you to take your, your Bibles with me, and I want to go two places today. Two places today. Wilderness to Wonderment. We're going to continue in this series. Father, I'm asking, Lord God, today for the anointing that crushes yokes, open eye, blinded eyes, causes deaf to hear, lame to walk, Lord God. Lord, I pray for the yoke, Father God, to be broken today by the presence of your Spirit. Lord, you know I can only do what I can do. But Lord, I'm in partnership with you today, and Lord, I know you're going to go beyond all that I could see into the unseen. And Lord God, you're going to break the hold of the enemy in people's hearts and lives today. Lord, I just ask, Father, that your glory be felt and revealed today in Jesus' name. Once you look here, I'm going to read uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, and then we're going to go over to Judges, the sixth chapter. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, now I know the thoughts, for I know the plans. Let me back up. I'm, I'm going to read this in the Amplified. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now, in the New King James, it says it this way. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, do you believe that the Lord ever questions his thought towards you? Come on now, this is, I'm asking a, a, for a response. Do you, do you believe God ever questions himself about what he thinks about you? So why did he have Jeremiah the prophet write this down for you and I and for every generation past and those that will be going ahead of us? It's because we need to know what the Lord thinks about us. And I submit to you today, therein lies the, it, it, it literally lies the, the, whether we succeed or fail, as to how we believe God thinks about us. Clint, you did a fantastic job yesterday in men's prayer breakfast, shared a, a, just, a just a good word, talking about identity. And today we're going to be talking about identity. And I want you to listen to me today. 
The Lord woke me up and he said, you're on a rescue mission today. Are you hearing me? I'm on a rescue mission today. That he's going to rescue those that are in this house that will receive his word. Now, before we go to Judges, is we're going to begin to talk about how God thinks about us. And we, we talk about wilderness to wonderment. We, we, we go from the inhospitable region and we go to the wonderment, the, the awestruck wonder of God's grace and his goodness. We see the children of Israel, they pass through the wilderness, and, and every time they got themselves in trouble, it was always on whether or not they believed God was for them or against them. And so they, they lived in this, this ideology, many, many of them, that kept them from the place and the promise God had for them because, not because the enemy was stronger, not because the, the, the fortified cities were too great for God, because they did not believe but God was on their side. So as we look here, I, I just want to start before we get to Judges today. My granddaughter, Nora, four years old, four years old. You know, every child has a different personality. Little Junie, my, our one-year-old, she, she expresses love, but just she wants to huddle. She wants to cuddle. She wants to kiss. She, that's, that's the way. My Violet is the same way. She's missed three-year-old she's missed enthusiasm but Nora no when she wants to express love she punches pops in the gut she does that's just the way that's our thing amen she gets in trouble for it quite a bit but I understand that's the way she expresses love so she's a no-nonsense little girl she is she's she's just Nora but Nora got in the car the other day and crawled up in her car seat, buckled her in, and she said, Mom, she said, I'm going to do something great for God every day. She's four. I'm going to do something great for God every day. But she didn't leave it there. She gets home, and her daddy comes home, and he's had his day, and he goes in, and, and, and she goes into the room where he's at, and she said, Dad, what are you doing great for God? My God in heaven, out of the mouth of babes? Josh said it, her daddy said it, set me back a minute. He had to ask, what, what am I doing great for God? And I would say to this body of believers today, you are meant to do something great for God. You are purposed and designed and delicately created to do something great for God. And I have reached a point in my life and ministry is that I am so sick and tired of the devil and his destructive means and misidentifying the children of God that I'm going after your destiny, your calling, your purpose in Christ with everything that is within me. I will exhaust every effort within my own self to come before the throne of God and to present truth to you in such a manner and a way that it releases you to become everything God has intended for you to be. But I can only do so much. And God has done all he's going to do. Let me say that again. God has done all he's going to do. But 
the work is complete, will we believe in the completed work of Christ? Will we accept it for what it was intended to be and begin to walk not by sight but by faith today? Because it's the only way you're going to obtain everything that you need to be in God because God is looking for access to the earth and he has chosen the church. With that said, I want you to go with me to Judges. Judges. Judges is the sixth chapter. As we are continuing in our pursuit of freedom to be free in 2023. Judges 6 I know the thoughts, as Jeremiah said, for the power of the Holy Spirit. I know the thoughts. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God knows the thoughts. He wants you to know the thoughts that he has for you. It says, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So that the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made themselves dens caves and strongholds which were in the mountains and so it was whenever Israel sown they went out and sown their field that the Midianites would come up also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them then they would encamp against them to destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza leave no substance for Israel neither sheep nor ox nor donkey for they would come up with their livestock in their tents, and they would set up camp folks in coming in numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. Now skip down to verse 11. Notice there that every time it was harvest season, the enemy would come in and devour and destroy the land. He was trying to, it was the Antichrist spirit, trying to annihilate the Jewish people, trying to annihilate the Israelites. That was the, it was the same Antichrist spirit has been in the land, it is still in the land today, trying to destroy the covenant people of God. Now as we see here, all of this is happening year after year for seven years. Was it because God was angry with Israel? No, because Israel refused to follow God. He told them to, you're going to conquer the you're going to conquer the land, I'm going to send you in. And though when they, there rose up a generation that did not know God. And what did they do? When people do not know God, they go back to the ways, their own ways of destruction. But we see here in the word, God's got an answer. Now the angel of the Lord in verse 11 came and sat under a terebeth tree, which is in Orphra which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He's hiding out threshing wheat in the winepress. You mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are his miracles of our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? You ever ask that question? Lord, where are the miracles? 
Where are these miracles these Pentecostals keep talking about? Where's these miracles that their grandma and grandpa talk about? Where, where are these miracles where the dead raise and the blind see and the lame walk? Lord, where are these miracles at? Anybody? Come on, honestly, let me see a hand. Where are the miracles? Come on, I'm, I'm going to wait just a minute. I'm looking in the balcony. I'm looking in the balcony. Okay, okay, Lord, you see? I see. All right, it's a setup. Thank you. But now the Lord was, has forsaken us, delivered us in the hand of the Midians. Notice verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go. The Lord is turning to somebody and says, Go, and this you're mine. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And have I not sent you? So he said, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I want to start with this, and I, I just, we, we, we're, talking about the, we're talking about the thought, the thoughts that God has for us, the thoughts that God has for us. This is going to be a new concept to someone in this house today. This is going to be something that you have never even considered because it's easier not to consider. It's easier to push it off on someone else and to say, they've got it, but I don't. The same thing that the Lord told Gideon is the same thing that he thinks about you. You mighty man, woman of valor. In other words, you, you've got the ability, the capability. You have within you everything that you need to accomplish the will of God. You have within you, and God sees you in such a place where he knows the design that he has made you to be, and he sees you as an individual who has greatness within them. You are a champion in the sight of God. Wow, there's five people that believe this message this morning. I've got some work to do. Holy Spirit, we have some work to do. How could God say such a thing about me? How can he say that? Does he not know me? Did he mistake me with my brother? Did he mistake me with, with, the, with someone down the street? How is it he can say this? Because you've got to understand the God that asks faith from you is the God who lives by faith. God lives. God is a God of faith. He sees me better than I see myself. Why? Because he sees me in the faith he has in the sacrifice of his son. He sees me knowing that, yes, I may be what I imagine myself to be in this weakened state, but that doesn't deter the fact that he sees me in such greater light. He saw me as a preacher of the gospel. I thought, there ain't no way. There is no way whatsoever. It can't happen. And my wife said, amen, because she wasn't going to be married to a preacher. Now she is one. But let me say to you today, see, God saw me better than I saw myself. Did God reconcile himself to me? Or did I have to reconcile myself to what he 
meant for me to be. So the Lord said, I've got these aspirations and these desires for you, and I can see you doing this. I, I, can, I can see you doing this. And, and it starts with a vision. I could see myself preaching like a man set on fire of God. But every time I got up to be preached, nothing came out. Nothing whatsoever would cross my lips that was, that was actually intelligible. It was horrible. I would not sit under my ministry. It was, it was, it was so far below the mark. And when I see people that I sense and know they're called to preach, I think, man, you are so far ahead of where I started. You should, you're going to go out and you're going to conquer the nations. But see, the Lord continued to take that vision and he continued to lift it, lift it, lift it, lift it. And I still don't believe that I have reached the place where God wants me to reach, but I keep reaching for it. And as I continue to reach for it, God continues to come in faithfully and do the work. See, because God is a God of faith. And when he looks at me, he looks at me through the lens of the completed work of Christ. But see, for God to have thoughts about me and for me not to receive those thoughts, it's not going to go anywhere. Because I've seen a lot of people called to the ministry. I've seen a lot of people called to an area. But because of something that happened to them along the way, because of an arrow that has pierced their heart, because of, a, because of a, a false identity that has been spoken over them, and they believe that they are the sum totals of all their failures, and they cannot get beyond that, and they've sinned away their day of grace, and there's no way because they're too broken, they're too root, there's no way they can get out of that. So what happens when the gospel comes in, they deflect to the left and to the right. and It's not for me, it's not for me, it's not for me. And they start redefining God because of their emotions. My emotions do not create God. My experience do not define God. He said, I'll do my own defining and I will tell you who you are. It's whether or not you will believe who you are in Christ. That will distinguish whether or not you do something great for God, whether you dismiss it altogether. I want you to notice here, it's Gideon, man, he's, he's got the problems down pat. He's telling all about all the destruction of the world. He, he's talking about all the, the misdealings, the political climate, and the oppression. And the funny thing is, he's blaming God. Lord, you said you brought us out. Lord, you said you'd do this. Lord, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. Now you're awfully quiet. You're either guilty or you're taking it in. See, Gideon, he understood the problem. And the Lord looked at him and said, this is great. This is great, Gideon. 
you understand the problem. The enemy wants to annihilate the covenant people. You understand what's going on around. The land is oppressed by the enemy. The gods of the land have come in because my children were disobedient and refused to follow after me. And now they come in and they're not reaping a harvest. The enemy has, has the gates been left open and they're stepping in and they're destroying and they're innumerous as far as you can't even count the number of problems. Gideon, thank you. Finally, I've got somebody that understands. Now go. Now go. Now go, Gideon. See, what we have to understand, verse 14 says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this your, the might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Let me tell you, the answer to the world's problem is the church. The answer to the world's problem is the church. God has strategically positioned you as the answer to the situation you're facing. Some of you are like, your toes are drawing up. Some of you are just like, I'm sitting on my hands, I'm looking away. Don't look at me, preacher. Don't look at me, preacher. Because what we're, what we're feeling now is, is responsibility is shifting. It, it's shifting, and now the sense of responsibility is like, oh, well, well, we see a need. What's the answer? Take it to the pastor. <laughs> Write that down, yes. Get a T-shirt. You got a problem? Take it to the pastor. And what is the pastor doing? The pastor saying, if you solve the need, then you are the answer to the need, and you need to take your faith and begin to exercise it and take the responsibility as God wants us to take the responsibility and begin to lay it where it belongs, at the feet of the church, to say, I will be the answer. I will do something great for God today. And every day. Don't you believe it's possible? Out of the mouth of babes. Out of the mouth of babes. Now, what we look at and what we begin to see is that the Lord says to Gideon, said, go in this your might. You notice the Lord didn't say, hold on, Gideon, stand still. Okay, angels, back it up. Yeah, you, you guys holding that line over there on the one side and you guys holding the line on the other, those, those electric Holy Ghost shockers. Okay, when I say ready, I'm going to put it on top of his head. And when I say touch, the flip the switch. And then all of a sudden, the power is going to come. <laughs> I'm Gideon, the mighty man of God. I'm going after the enemy with all that is within me. And he just, zoo, zoo. laser shooting from his fingertips. No, he's still Gideon. He's still the guy over there in the wine press. You don't thresh wheat in the wine press. You got to get on the hillside because if you're threshing wheat in the wine press, you're trying to get the husk off of it so you can get to the edible grain. And the only way to do that is you thresh the wheat. You got to throw it up in the air, and the breeze that comes from nature carries that away and separates. Come on, it separates the wheat from the chaff. But here he is creating his own wind. And he's not having very much success. I think it's time the church gets away from creating its own wind 
and get back to the wind of the Holy Spirit and let get on the hillside where everybody can see us and just say, oh, God, I'm going to do my part, and I know you're going to do your part. Let the wind of the Holy Spirit begin to separate the wheat and the tares, the, the, the chaff and the, and, the, and the wheat. You're not going to become something more than what you already are. You're going to learn more about who you are in Him. You are the answer. You are the answer. Let me tell you, church, we have learned to rehearse the problems. You get on CNN, C-SPAN, CBS, NBC, ABC. You get on Fox Network. You get on every other syndication, every other news media, and all they know how to do is rehearse the problem. Rehearse the problem. And I'm not saying that we avoid those things and the information, but let me tell you, we need to begin to rehearse the answer. And you are the answer to the need that is out there. If you transform a generation, you will transform a nation. So we look and we see. If you're waiting on everything to be perfect, when you get perfect, then you're not going to ever do anything great for God. But I want you to notice Gideon's immediate response. Some of you are like, I'm not lifting my hands. I'm not looking up there. I'm looking down. He can't see me. The spotlight's in his eyes. Look at Gideon's immediate response. So he said, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, I'm the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Have you not seen I'm the runt? of the litter I don't have anything to offer I don't come from people who have anything to offer is this hitting home with anybody I'm on a rescue mission today rescue your talent your time your treasure that you have that's been stored up I believe folks still today as Wayne Cadero wrote in his book the dream releasers but the richest acre in any community is the graveyard. Poems that were not written, songs that were not sung, lives that were not lived. It was always held in bondage by something someone had done to them or rebellious nature to refuse to accept the responsibility put before them. And what they did is many went to the grave and all they had were the complaints. And I'm saying to you, it's time to resurrect the answer. And his name is Jesus. And he has chosen his church as the access point to this world. Look, we see, begins to rehearse all the, he began to tell them, I, I can't do this. I said, when I called to preach, and I'm not trying to put a spotlight on me, I'm just kind of sharing my experience. I said, Lord, you've called me to a life of study. I can't even hardly read. That's all right, I'll take care of that. I, I, I just, I'm... I have a little bit of difficulty putting those uh, uh, reading, Lord God. That's all right. I'm going to teach you how to read. I'm going to teach you how to comprehend. I'm going to teach you how to study. I'm going to show you what you can do through the strength of my spirit. All I need you to do is step out. Well, Lord, I got this other problem. I don't like to talk in public. 
that's okay. I'll put the fire so hot in you, you can't even sit still. You're going to have to get up and say something. It's going to be like the word. It'll be like fire shut up in your bones. And what you envision in your spirit is going to come to pass. It's going to materialize because I have something in store. So the Lord called me so that you have no excuse whatsoever. Oh, you spirit of fear, you are bound in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice here the first order of business after Gideon goes through his fleecing. I'm, I'm not even asking for a show of hands. I've done it myself. You know, when we fleece the Lord, God, give me a sign that I know that that sign is of you, and we'll go do this thing. We'll do it. That's Gideon's life. I, I will move when I get a sign. That is the lowest form of maturity in the body of Christ. And you're like, it's a conversation I'm not having with the preacher. See, you got to learn to trust in the spirit of the Lord. And I'm not saying God doesn't use signs. And I don't, it's not that I'm saying that I don't ask God for confirmation of his word. But my faith doesn't rise and fall on a sign. My faith rises and falls upon the completed work of Christ and belief in his word and trust in his word and just looking out. I want God to lead us with his eyes. I want to look where God's looking. I want to feel what God's feeling. I want to move in the direction that is pleasing in him to see others brought into the kingdom of God. But what we see here is there's an order of business, and this is where the rescue plan begins to take place. This is where there is a there is a trap that the enemy has lured those in this house into, and it is a trap. See, immediately when you see the problems, uh, Gideon's first response was this, draw from my resources, draw from what I'm able to do, draw from my reasoning skills, uh, draw from my heritage, uh, draw from my history, draw from my habits. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm, he, he's there declaring to the Lord, uh, I've got all these issues. I just can't. So he's drawing from what he's able to do. And if you're drawing and if your Christian walk is drawing from what you're able to do, you have not experienced the fullness of God. And that is not faith. It's not. Let's call it what it is. It's fear. It's not faith. Faith draws from what from an arena and a realm that it has no control over and that controls us and then we say God this is beyond my ability but I'm going to reach into the unseen by faith I'm going to believe trust and obey and I'm going to bring it back in here and now in as a result of that in the partnership with the Lord things begin to happen by faith by faith verse 25 the same chapter it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him Take your father's young bull and the second bull of the seven years and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Cut down, I want you to see this, the wooden image 
that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. Take the second bull, offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you have just cut down. Hold just a second. I've got a couple verses. I'm not looking at your text telling me to wrap it up. Just you're going to have to hold with me. Genesis 127, God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created him, male and female created them. Did you get that? God created us in whose image? Genesis 5 and 3, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. God creates us in his image. That image is distorted in the garden because of sin. Sin in its root means literally crooked, missing the mark, losing oneself, losing your mind as to who you're supposed to be. But see, since Adam forward, there's been the recreation of humanity. Instead of being in the perfect likeness of God, it's been in the likeness of humanity. We, we enter into a world and we're driven by our senses. And we don't even understand that we have a we have a thought that there is something beyond this life and there's 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 something beyond this realm that we're living in because we're meant to be spiritual beings having a natural experience uh, here on earth and but it takes faith to access and it's the entry point but what we see here is immediately Gideon begins to talk about his home life I'm from the tribe the weakest tribe in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house how would he obtain that knowledge how would he obtain that knowledge he's living it but unless he was comparing himself to some other tribe or maybe his brothers or siblings or somebody in his household told him, but muscled him around and pushed him aside and told him what he was. Come on. See, in order for me to overcome and become and step into the direction that God intended for me to, to do, it was the same journey as Gideon. Whenever I felt like God was saying, you, I called you to preach, I can't do this, I can't do this. Lord, do you know who I am? And the Lord said, yeah, I know who you are, but I need you to get up and start moving. And the first order of business is we're going to go tear down the old image. We're going to tear down the old image. We're going to go tear down the, the years, Tommy, the years that were spoken over me. You're worthless, no good, you'll never amount to anything. You've got to take that image and you've got to make an altar unto the Lord. You've got to take that image and that's got to be the fuel now by which you put the fire to. So that it's going to cause the sacrifice to burn deep inside of you, Ray. It's no more am I this. I'm not a victim anymore. I'm not a victim anymore. See, they were sacrificing to that image, sacrificing to that image. 
And let me tell you, it wasn't just their life they are sacrificing. They are sacrificing their time, their treasure, and their talent. What are they sacrificing? They're sacrificing the next generation. They're sacrificing their kids. They're sacrificing someone that needs to hear the story of Christ in your life to go and say, look what God has done for me. Look what the Lord has done. See, it's not just about my four and no more. It's not just about me. It's about those in whom I'm intended to reach. God, my heart hurts today because I feel you today as you are declaring I'm too broken, I'm too abused, I'm too wrecked. God said, no, you're going to take that in proper arrangement. God first. We're not going to go to an altar you built. We're going to the altar I built. We're going to go to the altar where the only sacrifice that really matters is already taking place. And now we're going to take and we're going to set that in order. And we're going to take those images. We're going to take those images. The false image of the declaration of who the world says you were that was contrary to the will of God. We're going to take those images that keep saying to you, when you line up and you look in the mirror, what do you see? I see the victim. When you line up and you look in the mirror, what do you see? I see the brokenness. No, we're going to take all that and we're going to make an altar out of it. And we're going to take those images and the images that says, I have failed and I can never succeed again. I have failed in marriage and I'll never be happy in a marriage relationship again. No, you're going to take those images and you're going to lay them down before God. And you're going to build an altar and you're going to stop sacrificing your time, talent, and treasure to that image. How can you know the God that you're serving? You can measure it by your time, talent, and treasure. Where you're making sacrifice. Where are you making sacrifice? Where are you giving your time? Is your thoughts continually upon where you came from and what you can't do? Of the words spoken over you? You're constantly rehearsing in your mind all of the nonsense the enemy has put before you all of the self-hatred I say it's time we take all of that and lay it at the altar of God and we let the Holy Spirit set fire to it to illuminate his sacrifice so that now we're no longer worshiping that false image. But now we're drawing from the completed work of Christ. We're drawing from the completed work of Christ. 
We're, 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 we're saying, look, God, you, what you've done is enough. You don't have to do any more. I'm just going to accept what's already complete, and I'm just going to start walking in that. And, yeah, I've got some, Lord, we've got some reconditioning to do. We've got some, we've got some, we've got some, some things we've got to work on. Let me tell you, you can do more than what you think you can do. I got out uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, and I started running. I could run a half a mile. I could run a half a mile, then I could... <laughs> and then I worked up to a mile, and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm making some progress. And then I worked up to two miles, and I thought, man, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get it down. And then I worked up to three miles, and then to four miles, and then to five miles. And I can't do five miles more than one day. My knees won't hold up. I'm still working on healing these knees. You're talking to an old 50, I'm going to tell my age. I'm, I'm a young 55. And I want a new lease of life. And I'm going to do what I need to do in order to stay here as long as I can because I'm going to throat punch the devil every time I get a chance because I want to rescue you from the, from the. You young people. Don't give the devil another day. Don't give him the devil another day. He's had enough of your time. Don't waste decades trying to get over your childhood. Come on. Come on. Just go ahead and just go ahead and step into the day you're in now. Amen. Just go ahead and start believing this stuff today. It's easier now. Because when you get your old brain kind of warped in the ruts that you're accustomed to running in, it's a little harder to get that suet out of there. Amen? Just go ahead and start believing God today and just be like little Nora and just say, I'm going to do something great for God today. I'm going to do something great for God today. What are you doing great for God today? And that's where we're going to land. But this is, some, and, and I will draw to a close. They took my clock off because they knew it was my birthday celebration. And they said I could have all the time I wanted today. See, here's the, I'm sorry, Derek's hungry, he's ready to go. I, I promise to be somewhat brief. Could you today imagine yourself not sacrificing to that emotional pain and start thinking like God thinks about you. That he's got a plan and a purpose. He's got, a, he's, he, he's got something in store for the body of Christ that includes just me. It includes us working together. See, maturity is when we stop looking at self and we start looking outside of self and we start realizing, hey, I've got to do something about myself so that I can see the others come up. I, I knew one thing coming up. I did not want my children to experience the same hellhole called home that I came out of. I wanted something different. And so I purposed from my from my childhood I said I'm gonna have it differently I didn't know what different looked like but it didn't look like this so I started on a journey with a long vision and God saved me and he healed me and he delivered me and now I've got grandbabies that say I'm gonna do something great for God I say that because God is a merciful God
you, I had to get to the place. I had to get to the place. See, the Lord, you read the text and you'll find out, and I'm just going to speed this along just a little bit. You read the text and see, there was a great big problem. But the Lord told Gideon from the beginning, he said, you're going to defeat the enemy like one man. Mano a mano. We're going to take this on together. Because what the Lord was about to teach Gideon, this strength of yours is enough. I'll bring the backup. I'll bring the backup. You just, we're going we're gonna to face the devil like one man. Like one man faces another. There's going to be a throwdown, and it's about to happen. Let me tell you, it happened 2,000 years ago. All we need to do is begin to walk in it. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. You take, you, you, he, Gideon did what any good general or, or appointed general would do. Let's rally the troops. Woo, 32,000. Woo, let's get them. Let's get them, God. We can do it now. Oh, Gideon, you'll find all this in chapter 7. Gideon, that's ah, too many. Too many. Too many. See, because if I deliver you now, you're going to think you did it. You're going to think you were pretty enough and expressive enough and, uh, and anointed enough that, that it's going to be like, nah, it ain't going to work. Tell them if they're afraid, they can go home. I'm not asking that question because I don't want to clear the house, okay? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jab like that. You can't have your card back. I've already got it. If you're afraid, you can go home. You've left at 10,000. Lord, this is enough, right? We can do it with this. You'll get all the glory. You'll get all the glory. No, it's still not enough. You got to know that this is a supernatural thing that we're walking in. You got to know that that water underneath you is going to hold when you step out on top of it. You got to understand when you when you walk in that lion's den, they're hungry and their mouths are not going to stay closed. But, but by my word, you got to know. You got to know. You got to know where this strength is coming from, church. Tell you what, Gideon, I'm going to test them for you. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't test them for me, Lord, please. 10,000, I promise, I promise. No one wants to diminish before they go up. Because the way they approached the water, mm, because of the way they drank the water, whew, get some revelation, I'm not going to go there right now. Whittled that 10,000 down to 300. Now, Gideon, we're ready. Are you sure? I had 32,000. I was a mega church. We were influential. Did you see my ministry? Look, look at it. 32,000 adherents, warriors of God. And you cut it down to 10,000. Oh, there's been a crisis in the world. Those of you who just woke up didn't realize there's been a diminishing in the body of Christ. But I, I believe that the devil's not going to have the final say. Because we're going to know that we 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 know. I'm not sure what that translation was, but I want to hear what that translation was in Spanish. But we are going to know the source of our strength last day church we're going to know that we're not drawing from any ingenuity created by humanity it's not going to be because of the big eyes and the little U's and the 
cult of personalities. Oh, no, we're far past those days. We're at a time now where we're stepping in to where God is saying, I've got, to, I've got the church now where it needs to be in order to be the influencers that they need to be. And it's not because of their strength, it's because of my strength. And so they went out and they defeated the enemy. They defeated the enemy with a trumpet, a torch, and a shout. With the voice of God and the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the holy shout that's coming out of the voice of the church because we now believe what the Lord says about us. We're going to shout it from the housetops. We're going to let the, the illumination fire of the Holy Spirit burn inside of us. And the voice of God is declaring, and I love what the word of the Lord says, shout when you shout, say it's the, it's the Lord, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon <laughs> now wait a minute Jesus I know and Paul I know but I don't know who you are let me tell you, folks, if you want to be known in heaven, you're going to be known in hell. And I believe it's time the church gives a, a, a neon sign, come up in hell, say the church is alive. And we have woke up to who draws, who gives us the strength that we need. Worship team is back their way up right now. thinking, oh, thank God, we're going to quit. Hold that thought. Just begin to play something softly. somebody in this house today see this was this was God's grace on my life I didn't I wasn't living for him I was doing everything I could to self-destruct marijuana cocaine alcohol just tried to outrun outlive my past tried to just try to dull the pain Wanting something different, just didn't know how to get there. But I didn't realize how much God's hand was on me until after. You know, you think when you put your friends in the ground because of your drunk escapades the night before, they'd get a hold of a teenager, but they didn't. You'd think if you rolled a car at 95 miles an hour and everybody's flung from the car, but you stayed in it, that you would, you know, maybe wake up. But I didn't. there was something deep down inside that God gave me and this was a, a desire for a home a family children grandchildren God brought this exceptional person into my life and we started on this journey God put in both of us the same vision. It was the grace of God. It carried us. It allows us the privilege to do what we're doing. 
Trust me, ministry is not the easiest job in the world. We just make it look easy. There are days I wish I was somebody else when there's moments that I have to face. And I know I've got to do it. And I do it like this. Father, with your strength, I can do all things. Give me the grace to get through this today. And he picks me up and lets me walk. But see, there's got to be a place in your life if you're ever really going to come to that place of fullness. Is it's got to stop being about you. And it's got to start being about those around you. And it's got to start being about your family. And the family you don't even know. And you do whatever you can. You do whatever God tells you to do. When my father took a 38 revolver, stuck it to his head, pulled the trigger, and ended his life, I was so angry with him as a 14-year-old boy. I said, God, I said, why would you be so selfish? Did you not know how much I loved you and how much I needed you? You selfish, hateful man. See, you don't know how much you mean to someone else. And if the devil keeps telling you that life is better off without you, let me tell you, you are in the right place today because God said you are needed. Don't hide on this platform if you need to be in this altar. But if you're tired of sacrificing to this false image of hurt, victimization and ruin and you're, you're tired of hearing those voices rehearsed in your head how that you will never ever ever never be able to do anything for God because of either past failure or hurt or disappointment today is your day God's saying my grace is in this house and we're going to sacrifice those images at the your father's house your daddy set up that image but we're going to sacrifice that daddy image it's been distorted to a new image. But see, it's a burnt offering. What do you ask for? What is a burnt offering? It's a free will offering. It's not because you're obligated and you have to do it. It's because you want to do it. Stand across this building today. If you're in this house and you're ready to make an exchange, you're ready to make an exchange. You're ready to exchange. See, that carving took some time. They went and chopped that tree down. Built an altar to Baal, and then, then they carved out probably, an, probably the image of Asherah. They had to go. They, they took them a little bit of time. Got that chisel and that hammer, and they just went to work on it. And, and it wasn't finished in a day. They just kept working on it and working on it and working on it and working on it. Just kept you know, in the cracks and the crevices and the edges and the in the shape and all it began to came to shape and oh now see that image that you have it didn't just happen all overnight. It's been a continuation of something that has been strategically planned by the devil to stop you because ultimately he knows the greatest threat to his kingdom is the light that lives inside of you or the light that potentially can open up inside of you. But if you're in this house today, I don't care who you are, if you're on staff, if you're on the staff